It is now. Look, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. If you don't realize the world we're living in, the time we're living in, you're going to miss it. The trump of God's going to sound, and you are still getting ready. Uh, my daughter has a horrible habit of that. She's a little bit slow when it comes to the getting ready department. I apologize for that, Miley. She asked me to quit talking about her, and i got to work on that a little bit. And her mom and I will be standing at the door, and she's still getting ready. I'm afraid a lot of you are going to be standing at the door. All right, it's time for the church to get up and do their job, to rise up and to be that beacon of light who God's called us to be. And boy, I'm thankful to be a part of a church that's doing just that, and reaching our area, reaching our families, reaching our town. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to jump right into it today. Colossians chapter 1, I hope you'll just settle back for a few minutes this morning as we look to see what God has for us. And I'm thankful God's Word has something for us on this day at this time. Colossians chapter 1, if you're there, don't get too comfortable yet. Let's go ahead and stand. Look down, if you would, to verse number 20. Verse number 20, Colossians chapter 1. We're in the middle of a a series right now entitled Defending Against the Fall, that great falling away, the spirit of apostasy that is, is permeating the world we're living in, carrying people further away from God. And we've looked at several areas of how we can remain steadfast and secure during these times. And I prayed about it. I said, Lord, we're having our Heritage Sunday. Uh, I wanted to see if the message he had given flows right along with that. And, of course, the Lord had preordained that, that it works out beautifully with our, our theme today. Colossians chapter 1, look down at verse number 20. The Bible says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime, by the way, I love the word were, don't you? Because it's past tense. You that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind, By wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Thank God we've been restored to God through Christ in the work on the cross. The Bible says, verse 22, in the body of his flesh, that means not ours, he did the work through death to present you holy, unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Now, verse 23 is going to be our text today. Notice the Bible says, If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature, which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. We can stop there. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for such a great day, a great day that we can honor and celebrate our great heritage that is because of you and because of Christ. Thank you for the people that have made it possible for those trailblazers who've gone before us and those faithful ones we even have here today who've remained steadfast. Lord, I pray you'd help us with the message today. Lord, consider the heritage that's to come and what we're leaving behind. Help us, Father, remain. Help us defend against this falling away and this apostasy. Help us see how your word has the answer on how we can do that today. If there's one here today that's lost, Lord, I pray you'd make that clear to them. Lord, help everyone know before they leave here today, they can know that heaven's their home. They don't have to spend eternity separated, unreconciled. Father, they can be saved and have a home in heaven. I pray you'd show them their need, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. My burden is for our, our church and our people that when the spirit of apostasy becomes more and more prevalent, and I believe we can see that happening. You don't have to be a theologian to see uh, everything in our world and our country is moving away from God. 
The tide of spirituality is going back. Of morality, it's going out. I mean, we are abandoning morality and biblical morality uh, hand over fist. It's just a sad state to see. But we've looked at two things so far that the Bible says that we have an anchor. Thank God that we have an anchor. The Bible says it's our hope that we have in the gospel. That hope is the anchor for our soul, that uh, when the tide begins to shift, me, I have that anchor that anchors my soul against that shift and the climate of the world we're living in, whether it's morality or spirituality or theology. I have an anchor for my soul, and it's the hope that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're saved today, aren't you glad you have an anchor? What's the song say? In times like these, you need an anchor. And then we looked, the second thing that we found was that God wants us to be rooted in the word. The Bible says, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. That means when I'm rooted in God's word, that when I put down deep roots in what God has said, the Bible says nothing can offend me or nothing can move me away from the truth that I'm rooted in. God says, I want you to be anchored in the hope. I want you to be rooted in the word, and yet Colossians chapter 1 shows us something amazing in verses 20 through about verse number 23. Notice in verse 21, we see something happening. The Bible says that we were, that's a past tense word, alienated, that means separated from God. We were enemies to God, and the Bible says that we're now reconciled. For those of you that are saved, aren't you glad? We are reconciled with God. That relationship that was divided because of sin, sin always separates you from God. The Bible says that his hand in Isaiah 59, his hand is not shortened that it cannot save or his ear heavy that it cannot hear. God reaches out to us. But what separated us from God? Verse 2, the Bible says your sins and iniquities. Sin always separates you from God. The sad thing was when we were lost, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, permanently separated from God because we could do nothing to reconcile ourselves. The Bible says that salvation is not of works. You could not work your way back to God. No matter how good you were, how many times you were baptized, or who prayed for you, you could not reconcile yourself back to God. That's why the Bible says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Dead things can do nothing. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What did he do that for? Well, the Bible goes on to say that. We read in verse 20, through the cross and the blood of his cross to reconcile us to him. Man, I don't know about you, but that makes me feel special. That the God of heaven thought so much of me and loved me that he wants to have a relationship with me and he proved how bad he wanted that. By sending his son to die to pay for my sin on his cross so that I could be reconciled to God. Ooh, what a God. We sang about it a while ago. What a Savior, what a friend. I'm thankful for that. And so we have salvation in verse number 21. But then watch verse 22. The Bible says we've been reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Some people mistake that for salvation. I'll show you why it's not here in just a second. Once you've been reconciled in verse number 21, he wants you to be sanctified in verse 22. What does he say? Verse 22. He says, I want you to be holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. All right, so after we get saved, by the way, you can't be verse 22 until you have verse 21 you got to be reconciled to be holy, unblameable, and unreprovable, okay? So God says, get saved, verse 21. Verse 22, after you get saved, I want you to be holy. What does holy mean? Separated. I want you to get out of that mess that I saved you out of. 
I want you to be unblameable and unreprovable. So here's what he's saying. He says, I want you to be separated from that stuff. Get out of all of that, all right? So here we have that miry clay. The Bible says that David said, stick with me on these blocks, okay? The Bible says David says he has set my my feet upon a rock. He got me out of all of that. He says, okay, I want to put you on a solid ground. So how do you know that? Because verse 23 says, grounded and settled. I want you to get out of all of that. After you get saved, you get saved, you get sanctified. And then verse 23, what does it say? If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. Can I tell you verse 21, 22, and 23 shows you the growth pattern for the Christian life. Number one, you get saved. Number two, you get sanctified. Number three, you get settled. God says get saved, get sanctified, get settled. Get saved, separate yourself from that, and settle in and get grounded in the will and the word and the ways of God. Now hear me out this morning. You will not stand against the falling away if you do not get grounded. You will not. Look, that tide is going out. It's pulling a lot of families with them. If I fall off, please don't laugh, okay? I didn't practice this before service. I told someone, I said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to do a a somersault. They said, wow, that's great. No, I don't plan on it, but if I do, I'll try to stick the landing uh, and make it look like I did it on purpose, okay? When that tide goes out, that falling away, you better be on solid ground or you're going with it. The Bible says, watch this, you need to be, watch what it says, verse 23. It says, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, grounded and settled. Grounded and settled in what? The faith. So number one, God says you have an anchor of hope. Number two, rooted in the word. Number three, what we're going to preach about this morning is being grounded in the faith. I want you to think about Joseph, if you will, in Genesis 39. In Genesis chapter 39, Joseph was imprisoned. Joseph had been taken captive. Joseph had been lied on. Nothing was going right in Joseph's life. And now here comes this woman to tempt him. Now watch this. Joseph looks at her. She was an attractive woman, I'm sure. And he says in verse 39, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? What kept Joseph from being carried away from God in that sin of adultery? Watch. He was grounded in his faith. You say, how do you know that? He says, how can I sin against God? He says, my faith will not let me. In order to commit adultery with you, I have to get off the solid ground. And Joseph says, I'm not doing it. And Joseph stayed grounded when everything was falling apart around him. Can I tell you why so many of us and our families are being carried away by this spirit of apostasy, this great falling away? It's we're not grounded in our faith. We're not standing. We're not settled in our faith. And God wants us to be grounded in the faith. You say, well, I come to church every Sunday. I'm not just talking about being grounded in church. If you're grounded in your faith, you'll get grounded in church. The cart has got to come behind the horse. I talked to some of our people this morning. I have talked to you privately through the years we've been here, and I've heard some of your stories. I talked to uh, Miss Mary this morning just to make sure I had my numbers right. I said, Miss Mary, remind me again of how many years you've been at Central? 65? 65 years. Now, I know you didn't think she was even 65 years old. She's been in this church. They've been in this church 65 years. We were sitting in a room the other day. They were having an event with the homeschoolers, and we were talking. She says, Brother Jeremiah, I've seen a lot of people come and a lot of people go. I've seen pastors come and pastors go. I've seen people get mad. 
She says, but this is where God wanted us, and we stuck it out. How do they do that? They're grounded in their faith. Grounded in their faith. I, uh, I was talking to Brother Buddy last week, how many years they've been here. I asked him, have you, have you heard, uh, I asked Brother Buddy, I asked some other folks, you heard good preaching? Oh, yeah. I've asked some of you, have you heard bad preaching? Oh, yeah. You hear good missionaries, you hear bad missionaries? Yeah, we've heard them all. But they're still here. They're still here. You know why? They were grounded in their faith. They're grounded in their faith. You mean in bad preaching they stayed? Yeah, why? Because they weren't grounded in the preacher. They were grounded in their faith. I've, I've heard so many stories about Brother Green back here. Uh, Brother Green been here through the good times the bad times. I heard a story when I first came here. I showed a picture. I should have showed it to you this morning. There's a picture of me and Brother Miller standing here. And in the background, there's a portrait of Brother Williams. And whoever would have thought that years ago, Miley was just a baby, that, that I would pastor here. And in that picture, there was three of Central's pastors in one picture. In the background of the picture, you see over here, there's a sign up on the wall. I had master's clubs and the letters on the wall. And there's Brother Green standing there. And I've heard how there were some tumultuous times in our history here at Central. Difficult times where the church was being pulled in different directions. And I've heard so many times Brother Green helped hold it together. Good times, bad times, church divisions. He's still here. He's sitting right back there. How do they do that? The Shearers, over 50 years, been here. How do they do that? So they're grounded in central. Oh, no. If all you're doing is grounded in central, you won't hang around that long. Why? Because you're going to have plenty of reasons to leave in central. You better be grounded. In, amen. You better be grounded in your faith. You don't have to amen that loud, Brother Andrew. <laughs> to the last three years, we sure have had a lot of reasons to leave. Thank you, Brother Andrew. If you hadn't went and got the blocks for me this morning, I'd be mad at you. But he went and got the blocks, so we're all right. How do these people stay here so long? They're not, look, they're not hard-headed folks. These are sweet people. They're grounded in their faith. And when people come and go and preachers come and go and staff comes and goes, they just, they're just there. Why? Because they're grounded in their faith. Not just grounded. If you're grounded in your faith, you'll be grounded in church. You'll be grounded in the Word. But you've got to be grounded in your faith. You've got to know what you believe. I asked Miss Lynn this morning. I said, remind me how long? And she told me 50-something years. I forget one of our going away services for one of the staff. Me and Miss Lynn sat there and talked to each other. And I said, boy, I said, Miss Lynn, this is tough. She said, yeah, I've seen quite a few come and go. Quite a few come and go. She's still here. Why? She was grounded in her faith. Now, here's what I wonder, and here's what I try not to worry about, but I'm a pastor, so it's hard not to worry. Where are the next those? Where's the next Miss Mary, Brother Gary? Where's the next Green family? Where's the next Lynn Davis? Where's the next Shearers? Where's the Owens? Are you them? The only way you're going to be here, look, don't you want to get the 8 by 10 one day? <laughs> you better get grounded in your faith. 
I promise you, there's tough days coming. There's bad preaching coming. There's worse missionary pitches coming. I mean, there's stuff coming, I tell you. And you'll be like, oh, man, I just didn't like that inside joke. I didn't like that, man. And you know what? I just, man, he just made me so mad. He preached against something I don't like. Forget that. And all of a sudden, you wade out into the current. And you're gone. Why? Because you weren't grounded in your faith. Now, watch what the Bible says. This morning, I'm going to preach on this subject of being grounded in the faith, and I want to show you how. Sometimes we preach the what, but not the how. I want to give you the how. Can I ask you a favor? It's our anniversary service. Would you stick with me just a little bit longer today? I promise I'll try to do better tonight and let you out a little early. I want to help you to be grounded in your faith. Why? Those kids that stood behind me this morning, they need you to be. As a 42-year-old pastor, I'm so thankful that years before I was ever born, Miss Mary and Brother Gary... We're grounded in the faith. Help hold this place here. And you need to be that for them. So this morning, I want to show you how, all right, how. Look down to verse 23. This will be our key text today. The Bible says we can be verse 22, that's that sanctification, if we do what verse 23 says. If ye, now notice what it says, continue. If you continue. I want you to notice that in order to be grounded in the faith, number one, watch this, you need a continual commitment to your faith. You you can't be grounded in something if you don't learn to stick with that something, all right? In order to be grounded and settled on something, you've got to continue for a little while. You can't go Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. You can't do it. Look, you're never going to be grounded. You have to learn how to do what Paul is telling this Colossian church to do, and that's learn how to continue. And by the way, that's not something we're very good at as Christians. We're good at starting, but we're not good at continuing. Now, understand this. I don't know what all of these faithful members went through. I don't know all the battles they faced, but what I do know about them is that somewhere along the line, they learned how to continue. Can I tell you what we need to learn how to do? Continue. Continue when times are good. Continue when preaching is bad. Continue when someone doesn't like you. We've got to learn to continue. Listen, not in the church, in the faith. Your church will take care of itself if you make sure you continue in your faith. The problem is we have, we have developed a false sense of commitment that is more of a uh, contingent commitment than a continual commitment. I will be grounded in the faith as long as you preach nice and as long as you're not mean. No, no, no. That's a contingent faith, not a continual faith. Notice what he says. If you continue in the faith. I, uh, I read a story a while back, and boy, I'm going to do this at my house. It's about the missionary Hudson Taylor, if you know him. He's one of my favorite missionaries. All that God used him to do in China, he founded the China Inland Mission and uh, just went through so many difficult times, remained faithful to God, did a great work over there in China, some of which is still going. Hudson Taylor had a plaque on his wall, and this is what I'm going to get put on my wall. It had three words, really two words, but three words on it. The first was Ebenezer. At the top of this plaque, it had the word Ebenezer. You go back to 1 Samuel, it's mentioned three times. Ebenezer was the place where God had brought them to that rock of position where God had brought them to that place. The Bible says that Ebenezer means hitherto hath thou brought us. Hitherto hath thou brought us. So every day as Hudson Taylor walked out of his house, he looked at the sign that said Ebenezer, and he was reminded, it's God that has brought me here. 
Hitherto hath God brought us. I look around this building. I look around at this property and at our school. I look at our young people. That's our Ebenezer. Hitherto hath God brought us. This is our Ebenezer. This is what God has done for us. But that was not the only word on there. Right below the word Ebenezer was the words Jehovah Jireh. So you had Ebenezer up top, and underneath it, Jehovah Jireh. We know what it means, Genesis 22. The Bible says, God will provide, will, looking toward the future. Every day, Hudson Taylor walked out of his house. He looked at that plaque, and he remembered, hitherto hath God brought us, and I know that God will continue to provide in the future. He wasn't satisfied with what he had. He says, I want to look forward to what God will do. Now, folks, I'm thankful for our Ebenezer. We know the song, here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come, and I know by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. As the people of God that worship Almighty God, we have a reason to continue and to look forward what God wants to do. Why? Because look at our Ebenezer. Look, I I told our staff guys when you're in a meeting, I said, I want a fountain out front. I just think fountains make the place look classy, you know? Well, then on Petticoat Junction, they had an elevator that didn't work. And they asked you about it. Why do we have this? He said, it gives the place class, you know? I think it give our place some class, have a fountain out there. I was thinking last night, we ought to put a great big rock in the middle of our fountain. On one side, put Ebenezer. And on the other side, put Jehovah Jireh. To remember, it's God has brought us hitherto thus far, and it's God that's going to lead us forward. But watch this. This work will only continue as long as you do. Do you know why churches close their doors every day in America? Because at some point, you make a decision not to continue. Paul says if you're going to be grounded in your faith, you've got to learn to continue in your faith. In Genesis 22, where we first hear about Jehovah Jireh, here is Abraham. Oh, what a story. It's an account. It really happened. God tells Abraham, take Isaac, your son, your only son, the child of promise, and I want you to take it and sacrifice it on Mount Moriah. So Abraham starts packing up everything, puts his son up on the the donkey, and here they go. Day one, can you imagine how his heart began to race? Surely God's going to do something. God's going to stop me before I get there. Day two starts beating a little faster. Day three, there's the mountain. He sees it. Now now his heart is racing. But Abraham just kept continuing. He kept continuing. He began to unload everything off the donkey. He told the servants, you wait here. Let's go, son. He takes Isaac, and they start heading up Mount Moriah. His son begins to notice there's the fire, there's the wood. Where's the lamb? Can you imagine how that dad's heart sank when his child asked him, where's the lamb? Surely not. Surely not. What did Abraham say? God will provide. He just kept continuing on up the mountain. They get up to the top of the mountain. Son, turn around and begin to tie his hands behind his back. And the prayers to lay his son on the altar. By now, Isaac knows what's going on. There's no way that father looked into the eyes of that son and didn't see fear or worry. What's going on? And yet Abraham continued. He just continued. He drew back the knife to slay his only son, and only then did God stop him. How did he do that? He was grounded in his faith. He had more faith in his God, listen to me, than he did his own child. He put God ahead of his child. 
He was grounded in his faith. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, the Bible says he accounted that God was able to raise him up. He was already looking forward in faith to what God was going to do. Now, listen to me. I hope God never asks us to do that to our kids, okay? I can go ahead and tell you he's not. You may feel like it, but he's not going to do that, okay? He's never going to ask you to do that. But can you imagine that kind of faith? That three days journey, marching up the mountain, your child looking in your eyes, and yet you just continue, continue, continue. Why? Because you're grounded. And you're grounded in your faith. And nothing could move Abraham off of that settled place of faith that he had in God. Here's what I fear this morning. I fear that too many Christians miss out on all that God wants to do in your life because you don't continue. You miss out. God has something planned of what God will do. God will provide, will being the future. God wants to provide. God wants to work. But you don't continue long enough to find out what God wanted to do. How sad this morning to think we miss out on something that God wants. Why? Because it's hard. Look, it's not easy to stay grounded and settled. That current begins to rush, and then society and status quo begins to push back, and you want to hop off of there and be with the crowd. But that's when you die spiritually. Think about this this morning, Acts chapter 2, that early church. The Bible says in chapter 2, the very last verse, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Wouldn't you love to be a part of a church where people got saved every day, where God worked in that church and every Sunday morning the baptismal waters were moving because people were coming to know Christ? Oh, that would be wonderful to be a part. How did you get there? Well, if you'll read Acts chapter 2, the Bible says twice in the last five or six verses, they continued. That early church learned how to continue. I would hate for you to miss out this morning on what God has for you and what God wants to do through you, but you've got to learn the first lesson of being grounded in your faith. What is that? It says you've got to learn to continue. I read a quote by Churchill recently. Somebody asked Winston Churchill, how do you deal with your detractors, people that don't like you? And I'm sure he had a lot of folks that didn't like him. He had to make some tough decisions at times in the war that they were fighting. And yet he did, and he did courageously. He says, I learned something that I heard from President Lincoln in the United States. The quote on his wall says this, I do the very best I can. I mean to keep going. If the end brings me out all right, then what is said against me won't matter. The key part of that is, I mean to keep going. Do you know why those folks that have been here 30, 40, 50, 60 years plus, do you know why they're still here? Because they meant to keep going. Do you know what keep going is? That's continuing. That no matter what came their way, division, uh, different problems in the church, people not liking people, they were grounded in their faith, and that Keppelman church... Folks, we've got to get to the place where we get to verse 23, where we are grounded and we are settled in our faith and what we believe. Acts 27, 25, the Bible says, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. I love this verse because it's describing Paul on a boat that's been in a storm for over two weeks. The Lord spoke to Paul and says, Listen, you're going to make it, you're going to survive, but everybody's got to stay on the boat. Don't jump ship, all right? The storm was going to blow for two weeks. Can you imagine how seasick those guys were? For two weeks. The Bible says, Paul says, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. The Bible says in verse 30, and as the shipmen were about to flee the ship, it got so bad people wanted to jump overboard. But Paul says, no, if I'm not going anywhere, I believe God. 
It was grounded in his faith. Can I tell you in the coming days, weeks, months, and years of the world we're living in, you're going to see a lot of people jump overboard. It's going to cost them. It's going to cost their families. It's going to cost them their churches. But if you're grounded in your faith, the Bible says you can what? You can continue. So number one, how do we be grounded in our faith? It requires a continual commitment. I was reading some of these to Miley last night. I love, uh, I love true stories of victory. Vince Lombardi was told that he possessed minimal football knowledge and lacked motivation. Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper editor for a lack of ideas. Thomas Edison was told by his teachers that he should give up and go home, and I quote, he's too stupid to do anything. Henry Ford failed and went broke five times before he ever succeeded. And yet all of those people went on to become successes. Why? Because they were the smartest people in the room? No, because they had something that all of us need this morning, and that's the fact that we learn how to continue. When times get tough, we continue. When we're rejected, we continue. When people abandon you, continue. We sing the song, I have decided to follow Jesus, but I wonder this morning how many of us actually believe it. It says, though none go with me, I still will follow. Why? Because I'm grounded and I'm founded. I don't want to wait off out there in the current. How many families do we have to see get carried away before we realize getting off the rock doesn't work? David says, he brought me out of that. He wants me to be holy, Paul said, unblameable, unreprovable. And the only way to do that is to be grounded and settled in my faith. A continual commitment. Somebody said this. I love it. I actually have this saved on my phone. It's a little bit base, but I think you'll get it. It says, when it comes time to fight, fight like you're the third monkey on the ramp to Noah's Ark and it's starting to rain. I got a picture of that on my phone. It's a monkey standing there with a nine millimeter. Hey, listen, no matter what it takes, you fight to stay grounded and settled in your faith. How bad? You be that third monkey. You look around and you start doing the math. Wait a minute. Two, two, two. It's on now, buddy. It's on. Can I tell you, it's worth fighting to stay grounded. It's worth fighting to keep your family here, your children here, your marriage here, keep our church here. You say, well, all the other churches are doing this. Yeah, and they're drowning. They're not grounded. They're not settled. They're not. Look, can I tell you what will help you this morning? Why don't you settle some stuff? Settle what you believe. Nail it down. Look, if you don't believe the Bible, then hey, we're probably not going to get along too long. If you want to believe the Bible, I'd be glad to help you out with that, okay? Number one, a continual commitment. I've got to hurry. Look down at verse 23. The Bible says, if ye continue, you say, all right, that's great. I'm going to try to continue. How do we do that? Well, the key is in the very next word. The Bible says, if ye continue, what? In the faith. Stick with me, okay? Continue in your faith. How do we do that? Well, to be grounded in your faith means you believe it enough that you invest your life in it, okay? That I believe this enough. I believe God's truth. I believe God's word. I believe it so much, I'm going to base my life on it. I'm going to get in it, okay? That means I have placed my life within my faith. Now, notice you have to do that. The preacher can't do that for you. You have to decide and settle what you believe, and then you have to decide if you're going to stand on it and stand in it. 
Now, a lot of us, we stand beside our faith. That's not good. You need to stand in your faith, all right? Now, watch closely. Number two, how do we be grounded in our faith? The Bible says continue in. Number two, there must be a personal investment, a personal investment in our faith. I've only invested in one thing in my life. I just tried an investment a few years ago, and I'm waiting to see how that turns out. But uh, you think about what an investment is. You hear about a good deal, a company opening up or a startup, and you want to get involved in that, and somebody comes to you and says, hey, this is a great deal to get in on. And so automatically, you open up your wallet, and you just take out money and give it to them, right? No. You take your time, and you do your homework. You find about this company. You find out who's leading this company, where they're going. You find out if there's even a market for the product this company is developing. You do all of your homework, and after a while, you are so convinced that this is the next great thing. You believe. You're like, yes, this is the thing. Whoever would have thought fidget spinners were a thing? Those things first came out. I'm like, nobody's ever going to buy one of those. How? And the next thing you, know, you see people walking around. You see staff members walking around, spinning those things. Wow, whoever would have thought it? But you believe in it enough that you put your money where your belief is. Correct? Watch what Paul says. The way that you're grounded and settled in the, in the faith is ye continue in it. Now, why is this important? Well, if we, if we desire to be grounded in the faith, sooner or later, you've got to get in the faith. All right? I can't be grounded and settled until I decide to get in it. I decide I'm going to put my trust in it. That I believe it enough, this is where I'm going to stand. You see, we have this thing we call a statement of faith. We have it here at our church. It's a piece of paper, and it says what we believe. But you know, a faith is not a matter of a statement. Faith is a matter of a stand. All right? Because look, that piece of paper does no good being a statement if you don't stand on it. All right? And for a lot of us, our faith is a statement. We tell people, boy, our faith is solid. Our faith is sure. Our faith is strong. You want to be a part of our faith. And they look at our life, and we don't stand on it. No wonder they don't want what we have. Do you know, when I was introduced to the company that I invested in, I began talking with the individual that offered me that opportunity to get in on that. And you know what sealed the deal for me? I said, how much have you invested? How much have you invested? And I found out they invested more than I even had. You see, their investment proved that they believed it. They put their money where their mouth was. Here's our problem. We're telling the world about the greatest thing in the world. We're over here. Watch this. We're over here, and we're mired up in the clay in the world, but we're telling people all about how good God is and, and how great it is to be on the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Man, it's just great. And they have no desire because they're looking at us, and we don't believe it enough to stand on it. Paul says, you've got to continue in. That means at some point, you've got to ask yourself, do you believe enough that you're going to stand on it. It's not a statement that you make, a bumper sticker you have, a T-shirt that you wear, a nice bracelet that you wear. No, that's a statement. Look, faith is about a stand, not a statement. Can I tell you? I believe Miss Lynn Davis believes in her faith. Why? Because she stood on it. I believe Miss Mary and Brother Gary and Brother Green and the Shearers and all you folks who've been here for a long time, I believe they believe what they believe. Why? Because they've stood on it. Sooner or later, your faith is going to show up, and to be, uh, to be rooted in faith simply means this. I choose to live within the confines of what I say I believe. Watch this. If I believe this, this is what I believe, 
I'm going to live within the confines of what I say I believe. You see, that's what undermines our testimony. When you say you believe one thing, but you don't stand on it. You go over here and you do this, and you pop back in. Don't be surprised if nobody wants what you have. When I live in my faith, look, I can't go anywhere but this little block right here. My confines are established by my faith. I believe this, therefore I can't go over there and do that. That's why Joseph didn't sin. He said, to come over there where you're at, I'll have to deny my faith and know I believe that's wrong. And so I'm just going to stay right here and stand right here. That's how Noah built the ark. He just believed it. So how do you know? He, he built the ark. He proved what he believed by where he stood. Now, can I tell you something this morning? Your testimony would influence so many more lives if they saw you standing for your faith as much as they hear you stating about your faith. All right? We've got to have a personal investment. I think about Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb just stood on what God said. They said, we believe that there's a promised land over one of those hills, and there's a mountain with our name on it. We believe that. We believe that. And all of a sudden, the other 10 spies says, we don't believe that no more. The other 10 spies says, we're out of here. Let's go back to Egypt. Joshua and Caleb says, I can't. I can't because I have to leave what I believe, and I'm standing on what I believe. You need to get you some of that. Amen. Your kids need some of that. Uh, here's our problem. Our kids see us up on here Sunday to God be the glory. And man, we're just doing a great. And also on Monday, we're down here. Yeah. Tuesday. Wednesday, we might, you know, live stream. <laughs> Thursday, Friday. Saturday, we might get over here because, you know, Saturday, you got to live it up really good before you go back on Sunday. And on Sunday, man, we put our suit back on. Don't be surprised if your kids want to have nothing to do with that kind of faith when they get on their own. They saw you were not grounded and you were not settled. Get settled. Why? It's got to be a personal investment that you have to make. Notice what the first word in verse 23 is, if, if you have to choose to do that. I think about Moses. The Bible says that Moses was strong in faith, go home and do a Bible study. Brother Breland taught a, uh, a month-long series on how to study the Bible and using a Strong's Concordance. Look at how many times you find in the Bible, in the faith or in faith. It's amazing the words you'll find around those two or three words. The Bible says Moses was strong in the faith. Can I tell you, you're strongest in the faith when you're on solid ground. You're not strong out there when you're in the world. Why, man? You're being carried around by every wind of doubt. You're not strong there. You're strong in the faith. Second Corinthians, the Bible says you abound in the faith. You're strong here. You abound in the faith here. But you've got to make the personal investment that you're going to stay there. By the way, it worked for Daniel. King comes down, looks in the hole. Daniel, are you down there? He knew he messed up. He didn't sleep all night long. He looks down in there and he says, Daniel, are you down there? Daniel says, hey, I'm okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. What did the Bible say about Daniel in chapter 6, verse 23? Because he believed his God. He believed his God. Do you know what that is? He was grounded in his faith. Even in the lion's den, he was grounded in his faith. He says, look, you boys can fall down and worship. You guys can do what you want. But I'm going to continue in what I believe no matter what. You see, here's, here's the dirty little secret that we don't like to admit. Sooner or later, your faith is going to show up in your life. It's going to show up. So how do you know? It's going to show up where you stand. It showed up in Daniel's life. It showed up in Esther's life. Do you know what Mordecai's whole conversation with Esther was about? Think about it, all right? Stick with me. We're having fun, right? We're good. All right, stick with me. 
four by six at the end of service for everybody. All right, four by six. All right, you're getting there, an introductory faithfulness award, okay? I want you to think about Esther. That whole conversation with Mordecai, he was trying to help her decide what she believed. She's going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And finally she says, you know what? If I perish, I perish. Do you know what, do you know what Esther, could I just give you my interpretation of what Esther told Mordecai? She says, okay, I'm in. I'm in. She's standing over there saying, man, if I get up there, it's going to cost me. It could cost me my life. And man, I, I have a cushy place here in the palace and all of this. And Mordecai says, you're here for such a time as this. They sang about it. Now's the time for the church to rise up. And we're sitting back and we're trying to decide. And you ought to make up your mind this morning that you're going to make a personal investment in what you believe. And like Esther say, I'm in. I'm in. No matter what it costs me. If it costs me my friends, look, I hate you're going to go down that road, but I'm staying put. I'm going to be invested in what I believe. That's how you continue. You decide, I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm just not going to admire it. I'm going to stand on what I say I believe. And oh, your children are going to thank you. I have a mom and dad. Grandma and grandpa. My great-grandmother died in her 90s. She was the last founding member of her church. I learned it from them. I watched them stand. I watched them stay. And I said, you know what? I want some of that for myself. But don't be surprised if your kids don't want anything to do with a faith that's in and out. You've got to be all in. As a matter of fact, that's what the Bible says. We're going to hurry. Romans 1, verse 17. The Bible says, the just shall live by faith. Now, wait a minute. If you have a carnal nature like me, as I studied that, I thought, man, I can't use that verse because I know what they're going to say. The just shall live by faith. <laughs> you're carnal too. Those of you that are smiling, you're carnal. Thank you. I feel so much better, okay? Well, see, preacher, I live by my faith. It doesn't mean beside. It means according. I'm living according to my faith. So what does that mean? Well, I can only go within the boundaries of what I believe. I told my wife when we first got married, I said, oh, well, before we got married, I tried to talk her out of it. I really did. Too late now. And I said, I will give of my preferences for you. I've been preaching 10 years when Leslie and I got engaged. I said, I will give of all of my preferences. I didn't have a college football team. She gave me one. That's not biblical, so I can do that. But I says, I can't compromise my convictions. If I have to get off this block to marry you, I'm sorry, I can't marry you. Because this comes before everything, my faith. My faith's got to come first. The just shall live by faith, according to faith, and this is what I believe. Thank the Lord, she decided to hop up here with me. Amen? Young people, find somebody that wants to stand up here with you. All right, young person, listen to me. If you have to sneak off of this block to go out with them, you don't need them. They're not worth your faith. They're going to cost you everything. And I can tell you story after story after story of phone calls that come in my office every week of people that are drowning, asking for help, when all the while there was a place that they could have been grounded and settled and they could have stayed and found the will of God for their life. But no, they had to go out and get drowned like everybody else in the world. Listen to me this morning. You've got to make that personal investment. It's not just something you state. It's not something you talk about. It's something that you live by. Before I give you the last thing, I want you to think about Hebrews chapter 11. 
Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible gives us that hall of fame of faith. I won't take the time because we don't have it, but listen to me. What did the Bible say about all of those people? How did they do what they did? How did Moses and Abraham and Noah, how did all those guys do what they did? Well, the Bible, let the Bible answer for itself. The Bible says, by faith. By faith, by faith, by faith. According to their faith, according to their faith, according to their faith. That's how they did that. All right? It's not you. It's not I. It's the faith and the one who can. And they did all of that by faith. And I wonder this morning what God wants to do with you. He's just waiting for you to get in. Get in. Hey, quit standing in here. You decorate with a nice bumper sticker. Woo. And you tell, man, we're going to take a picture and we're going to post about our faith. But it does no good if you don't ever get in it. That means you're living within your faith. You're not allowing your faith. Listen, you're not allowing anything in the world compromise what you believe. No. Why? Because as soon as you step off of there, you're back in the miry clay. And there's no chance you'll reach verse number 22 where you're holy, blamable, and unreprovable. Before I left Bayou Baptist Church, five years of our life, we invested there in that church, getting that church up and going and structured and And boy, the Lord blessed. Man, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. When I stood up to preach my last sermon at Bayou Baptist Church, I looked out at an audience of people. We were all sniffling, snot flying everywhere. It was sad. Believe it or not, there were people that were sad to see me go. Believe it or not. And I looked out from the pulpit and I said, if you leave because I leave, I failed. If you leave because I leave, I failed. I wasn't in Louisiana to get people grounded in Jeremiah Andrews and the mystique of his persona. I was there to get people grounded in the faith because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Listen to me. Don't step off that grounded and settled place for nothing. Why? Because your faith is the only victory you're going to have over the world. And I looked in the eyes of those people and I said, if you leave... Because you were faithful to me. You missed the whole point of why God established this work here. And it's the same thing for you as well. At this place, if you leave for this reason and that reason, I just got mad. I didn't like what he said. He hollered too much. And good grief, it's 12, 17. Forget the four by six. I don't want it anymore. I just want to get out of here. You weren't grounded in your faith. You were grounded in your desire. So we had fun stuff here, man. We have ballsy, man. We don't have little league anymore. We do. You get rid of the little league, I'm out of here. You weren't grounded in your faith. You were grounded in the little league. You're going to ask me to vacuum a floor? No, I'm better than that. All right, you weren't grounded in your faith. You were grounded in your desire. Folks, listen to me. you got to make a personal investment in your faith, and faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And if you'll stand on that and stay on that, you'll stay around a little longer too. But you've got to put your investment in it. Number two, how do we ground it in our faith? personal investment finally. And you folks are being nice this morning. I appreciate that. Verse 23, if ye continue, there's that continual commitment. I'm going to be committed to my faith, what I believe. In the faith, there's that personal investment. It's going to be me. I'm going to do that. And what's the next two words? The Bible says the faith, the faith. You know, just because I make the investment doesn't mean I don't have to maintain the investment. So uh, I'm glad I took care of that. Heritage Sunday uh, uh, 2022, I decided I'm going to get in the faith. And so there, that's done. I don't have to worry about that the rest of my life. If it were only that easy. Wait a minute, what did he say? If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved. What? 
You mean once I get up here, he's still going to try to move me? Oh, oh, yeah. You see, when you get up here, now you're a taller target. Yeah, some of you are like, I pick you off right now. We got security. I won't tell you that, okay? You get up here, you're thinking, man, I'm glad I took care of that. No, now he's really going to try to move you away from the hope of the gospel which he have heard. So wait a minute, wait a minute. I have to make a continual commitment, yes, a personal investment, yes, in that. But it says, in the faith. What does that mean? Well, a grounded faith is one where you believe it enough that you're going to stand there no matter what. And what that is is number three, that's a spiritual contentment. The final step in being grounded in our faith is a spiritual contentment. Hebrews 11.1 says what? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. There are times you're going to believe what you believe and you don't see the answer. And that's when the devil comes. You've been standing up there like a goober. Everybody's looking at you. All your friends have been laughing at you. You're just going to stand there. And you know what? Look, look, God hasn't answered your prayer. You're just going to stay grounded there. It's like, man, I've been, I've been trying, but I just don't see the answer. Yeah, that's why it's called faith. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I remember as a 15-year-old kid, I decided, okay, I'm too dumb to pick out the right woman that I should marry. There's like 3 billion women in the world. Some of us can't match our socks, and we think we're going to pick out the right partner for our life. So I said, okay, God, here's what I'm going to do. God, I just trust you that when it's time, you, you just bring her to me. I, can't, I, I want to be a not kind of miss situation here, all right? You just say, boom, there she is. And so 15, I said, okay, I'm not going to go out and test drive every model. My wife's going to be worth just keeping myself pure. I think that's a great thing. You know what? I'm just going to wait on her. I'm just going to wait on her. So I'm standing up here, and man, I want you to know, there was a lot of room for more folks up here. There wasn't a whole lot of folks up here on that one. A lot of folks out here, man, you're a dummy. What are you thinking? I mean, look, you, I had somebody tell me one time, he says, look, you've got to go out there and meet some girls if you're going to find some girls. I'm like, well, I guess that is true. I said, I'm just going to stay here. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. I'm depressing some of you. 21. 22, 23, and finally, July 18, 2004, you know the story. Here, a little helicopter comes over the top of the trees, lands in Prentice, Mississippi, and, and then, where's she at? There she is. Steps off that helicopter. God says, there she is. Amazing. Watch. It took me 10 years before I ever saw her, but I just said, I'm going to wait. I'm going to be spiritually content. I'm going to wait on God. Now, some of you have already found your spouse. Hallelujah for that. Amen? But you're waiting on something else. Maybe you're waiting on victory. Maybe there's a prayer that hasn't been answered yet, and boy, you're tempted. Man, maybe this is not going to turn out. No, no, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not going to turn out. Continue in, grounded, and settled. What? The faith. Do you believe God? Paul says, I believe God. Paul says, I'm going to stay on board. I'm not going to jump ship. Why? Because I want to be, verse 22, holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. Faith is simply the confidence of the convinced. Can I ask you this? Are you convinced that being grounded and settled will prove and produce what God said it would? He said, if you'll stay grounded and you'll stay settled, watch what I'll do. Why don't you just sit back with anticipation and say, okay, God, I believe God. I believe what you said. 
And I'm just going to stand here and wait on God. You say, well, it doesn't look like the answer's coming. Well, it doesn't matter. I believe God. Yes. Daniel had to get in the lion's den before he saw God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to get in the fiery furnace before they saw God. Hey, why don't you just wait on God? Why? Because you're convinced enough that God's going to do what God said he will do. God always keeps his promises. How do we stay out of this flow, this falling away? Well, it's simple. You need to learn spiritual contentment. Spiritual contentment. Hebrews eleven thirteen. The Bible says they died not having received the promises. They died not having seen the promises. They died here. So how do you know? Well, go read Hebrews eleven thirteen. The Bible says these died in faith. They died in it. They said, you know what? I may never see it in my lifetime, but I believe it enough. I'm going to stay put, and nothing's going to carry me away from what I believe. That's why you need to settle what you believe. You need to settle what you believe. Number one, this morning, do you know that you're saved? Don't answer me. Don't shake your head. Don't raise your hand. If you died right now, are you 100% certain that you're going to heaven? You can know that. You can know that. That is the most solid ground. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's solid. On Christ the solid rock I stand. The only way I can go to hell is if God can lie. And the Bible says it's impossible. I'm just going to stay right here if that's all right. I'm just going to stand right here. The devil tries to talk me off. Well, you're a lousy, lousy low-down heathen. I know that I am. He says, you ought to step down. No, no, I'm not going to be moved away from the hope that I have. Why? That's when I get in trouble. Do you know that you're saved? I'd love to take that book and show you how you can know for sure that heaven's your home. And then number two, look, if you're saved, where are you at? Where are you at? Central needs some people that are up here in the faith, grounded, and settled. That's what Central needs. That's the only hope for those kids, that they have a church here one day, that they can raise their families and build their homes. It's some people today, on our 73rd anniversary, you make up your mind, no matter what comes our way, no matter how many get carried away, I'm going to be grounded and settled on what I believe. You better nail it down. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. As our pianist comes this morning, I appreciate your faithfulness. I appreciate your attentiveness this morning, but hear me out. I hope your heart was stirred by the word of God. Oh, it's quick, it's living, and it's powerful. But at the very beginning of that verse, the Bible says, if ye, if ye, that means if you. You see, there's a choice that has to be made. You have to make the choice to continue in, grounded, and settled. I'm going to continue. I'm going to stand no matter what. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word and, Lord, how this spoke to me. And if this was for no one else, Lord, I know this was for me. Father, as we lead our church, I pray you'd help me, Lord, not to move, not to flinch. Father, when times get tough, help me to stand settled. Lord, when things get difficult in our world and times get hard, help me remain grounded in the faith of what I believe. Help all, those, all that are saved today make up their mind that they're going to live within the confines of our faith. We're not going to step out on our faith. We're going to stay right there no matter what. There's one lost today. Lord, help them to see you went a long way through a lot of work, Lord, to reconcile them back to you. I pray they'd come and be saved before it's too late. For it's in Jesus' name.
Amen. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. The altar's open this morning. We're going to have folks down front with a Bible. They'd love to open it up and show you how you can know you're saved. My hope is Why don't you get out of the miry clay? God wants to pick you up today and put you on the rock. If ye, if ye, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy lean on Jesus. Maybe this morning you've never trusted Christ. Oh, he's waiting on you. Why don't you come down and say, I need to get up on that rock. I'm drowning. I'm drowning. Maybe you are saved today. You look around and see so many other self-professing Christians. They're not on the rock. Looks like they're having fun. There's more of them than there are of you. Little do they know they're drowning. The tide's about to turn. They're going to be carried off. They're going to be carried away.